righteousness, faith, and testing. Every time we meet and we talk about righteousness, I have to talk about what it is because we've been so, uh, you know, hammered in on what righteousness is. For most people, righteousness is the do right problem, which is to say the, the Christian faith is learning how to do right. And I was, I was interested. I, I got after this text in, in Genesis 20 that I'm going to preach today. And everywhere I looked and listened as I heard people preach on it, their whole thing was moralizing the text. Just stop. Just stop for crying out loud. And, and every time I listened, I was like, oh, man, one more time for me to just feel bad about this mess I've made. No, no, no. Stop reading your Bible as somebody who moralizes the text and read, read your Bible as somebody who has heard God and is on venture with God and is learning how to live inside what you've heard and to receive what he's trying to give you. Because that's the story here. Genesis chapter 20 is a man with a word from God. And, and, and God likes him better than we like ourselves. So righteousness Righteousness is, I've, tell, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Righteousness is how I align myself with this woman because I married her. I married her and there ain't no rules. It's just get in order, get in line. Order yourself according to the relationship. And I tell you, when suddenly you're so in love with God and you're so in peace with God and you're so in a walk with God that you're just governed by the nature of what that is, you'll stop worrying about the rules because you're living in love now. People who are in love don't worry about rules. People who are in love don't have to have rules. People who cultivate this are gonna walk this out pretty good. Faith, faith, Abraham believed God. This is the testimony about Abraham. God came to Abraham and he said, when his name was Abram, and he said, hey dude, have I got a deal for you? Now, he says, what I want you to do is, I want you to get out from, uh, from all your people and go to a land I'll show you. You say, what's that about? Most of the time, getting away from the people that you listen to all the time is so you can hear. People always let me, bust with me about this home thing. I'm not telling you to leave home. I'm not. If God tells you to leave home, leave home. But I will tell you this, that people who are, who are living in, the, in that tight-knit thing are going to have a hard time hearing God. And, and Abram was living in a world of moon worshipers and sun worshipers. And God says, I want you to follow my voice. I got something to say. I'm going to do something with you. And listen, you and I are now the children, the offspring of Abraham. What God said to Abraham, whoo, millennia ago, we're the result of, and it's still going, and it's not going to stop going. It's going to fill the earth and every nation, tribe, tongue, and language until there's an inheritance for Abraham, for the father in all the earth. And that's what the story he's living in. And the way we think about that is this. Okay, God tells you something. And then every time you make a mistake or, hey, just get stupid and stubborn. Probably hadn't got through the day so far without being stupid and stubborn. I can I check that off most days. I got that done. I don't have to worry about it anymore. We think, okay, that, that, that invalidates it all. No, no, no. If there's anything you see with God, it's how inviolable his word is. That when he says something, I'm going to do it. And listen, I'm not a guy who thinks that Abraham's the only guy that got a word from God that God's going to accomplish. Are you? Been living, I've been living with purpose since before I knew there was a purpose. I knew you. I'm the guy he knew. Aren't you? Okay, now I gotta, I gotta speed up because y'all are slowing me down. <laughs> Faith and testing. This message is the testing message. 
So let's just deal with it. Postponed promises or promises expanded. (laughs) Who's got postponed promises? Room full of them. Postponed promises or promises expanded. All that, listen, all you have to know is that you really have a promise from God. Postpone. I've lived long enough to know that most of life is that God is not on your time schedule and he's not stressed out by your worries. And man, am I stressed out. Aren't you stressed out? Can you be? Stop, just stop, Alan. Postpone promises, our promises expanded. Let me tell you one thing that you can be sure of when you come to New Life City for the, for the Word of God. You're going to get the Word of God. This is one place where we open the book. This is one charismatic, spirit-filled, crazy, Holy Ghost church that says we're going to open the book. And get what God has for us. Now, just so you know, that passage is just the background to what I want to tell you. Which is, I'm hurrying my wife off the stage. I got something to say. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall call her name, not Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And I will give you a son by her. And I will bless her and she shall become nations. Are you kidding me? Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And just so everybody knows, because I've talked about this a lot, before Sarah laughed, Abraham laughed. And he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? If you don't know anything about your Bible history, prior to the time of of Abraham, the ages that are given in Scripture are like ridiculously high. They go through the flood and the ages begin to cascade down. So lifespans seem, seem to be shortened. As Abraham is living in that period of time where the ages are cascading down, but they've not yet bottomed out to about where we are because we're in the time when they're going back up. You explain that. I don't have to. And, uh, but, but there's enough in the scripture for you to know that 190 is still uh, too old to have children. Anybody confused? Um, Mama, Gail get, Mama, Gail gets old. Mama Gail has been so affected by sensitivity training in our culture that she's afraid I'm going to offend 90-year-old women today. She never worries about 100-year-old guys. I don't know what that's about. So much for her sensitivity training. <laughs> but just let's, let's just say, whatever it is that makes it ain't happening. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. This is a man who, who left his country because God spoke to him. And now he's lived for 25 years in lands that are not his own. I say lands because he's lived in multiple places, but mostly in this particular land where he, the, the, the promised land area. He's lived in that land. He's a stranger in that land and he doesn't own that land, but whew, he's followed God. He's gone to great extremes. He has a promise And God keeps speaking to him. He's had a few encounters with God. He doesn't have a Bible like you and I do. I'd love for us to conceive of what it would be like to live our our faith without a Bible. Just a relationship. Eh, Think about that another day. Most of Christianity and most of time and most of the world has lived their life that way. Either unable to read a Bible unavailable to them, but the Christian life, but, but the faith has gone on because it's a relationship in the spirit with a God who is alive. And he's, and he's just as real as, as the face-to-facedness that we're experiencing in this conversation. 
It is, by the way, a conversation because I, because I read you. Now, mostly I try not to look there because the disapproval changes my direction. <laughs> oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Ishmael was one of Abraham's many permutations of his design to help God with his plan. God said, nope, Sarah, your wife, bear you a son, and you will call his name, ha, 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 since you laughed so loud. We're going to use that to remind you that I know what I'm talking about, and you're dumb as rocks. Listen, catch this now. God, instead of punishing Abraham for his stupidity, gives him a joke. (laughs) He says, we're going to just make this a a place of our fun. You're going to call your son's name laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. It's for Ishmael, the mess you made. Somebody say the mess I made. I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him. Please get hold of this and I'll make him fruitful and multiply him greatly and he shall father 12 princes and I'll make him into a great nation. Hallelujah. The worst we can do, God does the best he can do. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear for you. Now now get ready for this one because this was a good one. This time next year, God violates all the prophetic rules. Dates, mates, and babies. He just, he just does it all. He just says, okay, y'all got rules. I ain't got no rules. God is the God who hardly ever checks with you. But he invites you in with him. And he's inviting us in today. I'm telling you this story because, listen, if this is the foundational story of everything about our faith, we got to get hold of this story. And there's some nuggets in here that you go, whoa, are you kidding me? (laughs) It's just incredible. I'll establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear for you at this time next year. So now you got a man who not only has a promise, he has a promise. He has a name on his promise. He has a date on his promise. Now, I've preached on this passage before, but I promise you, I'm like at, I'm, I like at fish. I'm stirring up some dust on the bottom of the water that ain't, I'm looking for some food ain't found yet. We're going to get you something to eat today because there's more in there. This time next year, and this is what's beautiful. Then what happens next is you go through this series of stuff that if you read it, it's actually foundational for where God has taken Abraham and Sarah. It's foundational, but, and and it sets the stage for us to understand it, but it all happens in a year. What do we got to do? Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but if, you, if you're going to establish your covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year, that kind of means you got some work to do, and it's, there's, you got to hurry up. You got to get her done. So what happens next is the whole Sodom and Gomorrah story. So that, that whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing unfolds. That thing happens. And, oh my goodness, you got to, I want you to, just one little nugget there. I didn't give you a slide, but I'll slide you into it. Hallelujah. The Lord said, this is in chapter 18, verse 17. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation and mighty, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him? 
God's about to move in, in judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, shall I hide it from him? Now what's happened? The Lord is about to whisper into the ear of his servant a thing he's about to do. And then in the process of it, he's about to negotiate the details of it with that man. Is there anybody that's getting anything out of that? Now, if you, were, if you were a people who didn't believe that God speaks to prophets anymore, you wouldn't get anything out of that. If you were a person that didn't believe that what God started, set out to do with, with, with Adam, he stopped doing for some reason with the rest of the human race, that is, have dominion, then you wouldn't get anything out of that passage. But if you're a people who understands that you are a prophetic people, that you are a royal nation, you are a holy people set apart from God, that you are a royal priesthood unto God in this world, that God is using you. And this is, by the way, one of the reasons why one of the underlying things I have in my heart today is please don't get swallowed up by the, by the political spirit that is devouring everyone. So, well, what do you see now? Well, one little, one little piece. We've had gridlock in our government, at least in my life since the, since the presidency of Ronald Reagan where all the parties are doing is trying to destroy the parties that's in, in power. And then, then, and then our nation is in gridlock. And when there's gridlock, sooner or later, somebody strong will rise up and suspend the rules to save us from the malaise we're in. You better pray. And instead of praying for your party, pray for the kingdom. I'm not even messing around a little bit about that, but that's, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. I scare people when I start doing that. Imminent promises are promises tested. Well, one year from now, you got a promise. Something's going to happen. It's imminent. Timetable's on. I remember the first time one of my friends, I was in college, he gave me a time-dated prophecy. I didn't even believe in prophecies in those days. But he gave me a time-dated one, and I want you to know, I marked my calendar because I intended to show him up a year later. Well... That worked out in his favor, just so you know. <laughs> and frankly, it worked out with a baby boy in his wife's arms because he read this scripture and the Spirit of God spoke to him. Listen, let me tell you something about that book you have. It's all yours, but some of it is especially yours when God breathes on it and breathes into you. And yes, from time to time, you're going to be so zealous you make a fool out of yourself. But more often than not, God's going to say, I told you so. Because he's able, more than able. And oh, by the way, the disappointments, how you act in the time of disappointment is so seminal to how you're going to act in the time of victory. There's only one time when you can offer, I'm going to press this week after week for a while, the real sacrifice of praise, and that's when you're in pain. So for everybody that's in pain and you're hearing me preach this prophetic message, it, you got to get it. All right. Dreams and visions, your worst nightmare. Here we go. From there, Genesis 20. Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And if you don't understand your Bible, understand this. You're traveling. You're a nomadic person. You're not in one place. You're going through somebody else's territory. When you go through a strong person's territory, a warlord's territory, or a king's territory, he has rights over you. You don't have safe passage. And that means if you're a man married to a beautiful woman, that dude can take her. And, and he, he can, if, you, if you object, he can kill you. But if you say, well, she's my sister. 
So just so you'll know, you're going to find out before this is over with, Abraham is doing what most of us do nowadays. He's not lying, he's truth shaping. And there's more lies told by truth shapers than there are by liars. Thank you for that, amen. But Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And as soon as you go to hear that, you go, because we know kind of how that sounds. But the Lord, but God came to Abimelech in a dream at night. Now, don't miss any of this. God came to Abimelech in a dream at night and said to him, you're a dead man. There's a dream. <laughs> there is a dream. Because the woman whom you've taken, for she's a man's wife. Now, listen. This isn't quite the same thing, but have, come on. Some of you have had this dream. You say, oh no, I haven't had that dream. No, here's the dream I'm talking about. You've had the dream where you did something awful in your dream and you woke up and, and, and found out it was a dream and you went, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Me and Tommy might be the only ones. We're the only corrupt dudes, man. I'm telling you what, if you, oh yeah, come on, can we talk? All the holy women hadn't had these dreams, but guys... Don't even try to lie. I'll take you out to the woodshed. I ain't, man, you have a dream and you wake up and you go, oh, thank you, God, that I didn't do that. Sort of reminded me of a little cartoon. <laughs> the cartoon says, the guy says, uh, have you ever waked up and kissed the woman beside you and said, oh, thank God that I'm alive? And then he said, they won't let me fly on that airlines anymore. <laughs> God visits a pagan king in his dream. And the guy says, ooh, I am in some fierce trouble, except this dude woke up and it was true. Now, Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, and I love this, do you talk to God in your dreams? Or do you have conversation? You do, don't you? Do you ever like you know you're dreaming and you're working in the dream? You're sort of, you're sort of like doing detente in your own dream. So he said, Lord, are you going to kill innocent people? Did he not say himself to me, she's my sister? And she said, he's my brother. The integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. Then God said to him in the dream, I know you've done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. It's fantastic, man. It's a fantastic passage. Listen, God does everything that you don't think he can do. He goes and talks to somebody he has no relationship with and reveals himself and says his will and tells him what to do. Would to God that we would have a biblical idea of God instead of our religious idea of God. Would to God that you would know that God visits your pagan friends more than you ever imagined. Prophets, promises, prophets, and prophetic mistakes. Anybody ever made one? You'll make some mistakes if you get in the prophetic ministry. And listen, I'm going to tell you again, religious folks are like this. If you make a mistake prophesying, God has to kill you. That's just not true, people. God's judgment against prophets in the Old Testament is against false prophets who are intentionally deceiving people. It's not against people who make mistakes. God is way better than you think he is, and he's certainly better than us. So when people tell me, if you ever prophesy anything false, they have to stone you. I go, that's why you never prophesy at all, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's true. Now then, return the man's wife. And catch this. Oh, don't miss this. For he is a prophet. Boom. He's a prophet. So that he will pray for you. Listen to what God is doing. God is commending rather than condemning his man who made this mess. And he is using him in the midst of his mess making. This is why I believe 
It took me a long time to get this. Rather than punishing the people who are making the mistakes, put them in the place of their anointing and let them be who they're made to be. It's hard for me because I like to punish people. Don't get me wrong. I think you can, I think you can so egregiously um, abuse your calling that you can get yourself set on the side. Don't get, don't get me wrong. But for most people, most of us are going to get well. Because listen, just hear this. Most of us, the, when we fall and nobody knows it. Only God knows it. Abraham didn't have any accountability partners to call him out. And so God, who's called him into this business, and listen, put him in training. What is a prophet? Please understand. What, first of all, this is the first use of the word prophet in the Bible. Number one, this is the first time you find that word in the Bible. What is a prophet? A prophet who is, is a man whom God says, shall I hide from him what I'm about to do? A prophet is a man to whom God speaks what he's about to do. Please don't tell me that you can go to secular futurists and have more trust in them than you have in one of God's prophets. Don't get me wrong. I listen to some of these secular futurists. I like what they tell us. I, I love their insights. That's why I love prophets too. For he's a prophet. He's a prophet. He made this mess. I'm gonna let him clean it up so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die and all that are yours. Okay, we got it. I understand now. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called the servants and told them all these things and the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? Good question. This is Abraham's opportunity to confess his mess. And how have I sinned against you that you have brought this on me and my kingdom, a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. So God confronts Abimelech. Abimelech goes and confronts Abraham, the prophet. Be, be so happy that you have people in your life that'll confront you. If you have nobody in your life that'll confront you, you are in poverty. If you have nobody in your life that'll confront you and you'll listen, you're in double poverty. We all need confrontation. Uh, it's okay with me if you let me off today. I'm leaving after the service. <laughs> I preach these messages and then it happens. Hey, listen, this is also the first. And, and listen, whoo, praying with the men this week and I pulled this passage out and it just like, like God just... And you guys know I've preached on this passage a lot, but I'm, I'm messing around with this place in a, in a, in a place, some things I, I haven't quite done. This word pray, this is the first time the word pray is in the Bible. And that's for not the first time there's prayer because any word where there's divine and human interaction, that's called prayer. So you go back to the beginning, it's all there. But the first time the word pray is in the Bible is this word. And what interests me about this word is I got to digging in about the word because I said, well, what, 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 what kind of word for pray is that? I haven't looked that up. And so I got to looking it up and there's, you know, there's all kinds of words for pray, intercede, supplicate, you know, different things to said. But when I looked this one up, oh, this one was some fun, man. Are you kidding me? This says, pronouncing judgment, be the arbitrator. To judge, to execute judgment. <laughs> what? God says, go talk to Abraham, he'll judge you. So the man who created the mess now has to acquit the person who's in the mess. This is called praying for your enemies. This is called blessing those who curse you. This is 
called the kingdom ethics before kingdom revelation was among us. Here it is. It's just amazing. And God's partnership with Abraham is uncompromised by all this, this problems. And this is why I'm still around. People say, how have you survived 40 years in ministry? By getting up. Every time I fall down. It's the only way. I didn't do it because, you know, they want you to know, what's the secret to not sinning? <laughs> there ain't no secret on that. <laughs> the, the secret is to get up and to clean up your mess and wash your face and go again. It's to believe again, live again, love again, hope again, fight again. <laughs> and Abimelech I'm happy today, can you tell? Now, can you believe, I was in this passage and all I heard was moralizing sermons about marriage. And all I heard was moralizing sermons about telling the truth and telling lies. And all I heard was a lot of moralizing out of this thing. There's a story here, a story we need, a story we live, a story that relates to us, a story that takes us where we're going. We are Abraham. We are his offspring. We are the people who are carrying on what Abraham was receiving. That kid that was named Laughter who laughed his way through life was carrying on what he received from his father. He was one of the patriarchs of our faith and his offspring carried it on after him and them after them and them after them and then Jesus came and exploded this thing on the whole earth by putting the breath of God the breath of God the breath of God in every one of us that's the spirit of God and if you have the spirit of God you are his and you are a prophet <laughs> hey listen if you can't dance I can't dance and I do it anyway. Because, listen, dancing is the secret of the Christian faith. Are you kidding me? When people get in love, what do they do? They dance, man. They dance. If you get the dance stolen from you, that's like, listen, that's like being barren. You were made to dance a dance with God. I don't know where you are on your steps. But man, it's not done. It's not over. It's not finished. And God has called you into. <laughs> Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there's no fear in God in this place and they'll kill me because of my wife. I still love this. Dudes get married to a 90-year-old woman. I want to see her. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? I'm sorry, I will look at that magazine. Now I want to see this woman. <laughs> you can't get this stuff anywhere at all. Don't, don't even try. <laughs> now, if you're new here, you don't know what's, what, what's behind this. I'm gonna tell you what's behind this. God made them young again. And I can prove it exegetically, but I won't bother. But the way God did this thing, I believe, is he made them young again. And this is one of those nuggets that's laying right there for you to see it, and you just don't see it. You go, whoo! They just got through two on us. They're too old for this thing. And now all of a sudden, they got to protect her from a king because he's going to put her in his harem. I'm sorry. I ain't seen no 90-year-olds in the harem. <laughs> and I told my wife last night, don't be defending 90-year-old woman. They don't want dudes lusting after them anyway. <laughs> sitting there saying, how have you lived with this man all this time? I'm married to Sarah. What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Shall I just go turn the page? I didn't, I did it because I thought there's no fear of God in this place and they'll kill me because of my wife. Besides, she's my sister. 
And you know your Bible history, you know that that they were half siblings. The daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. Well, I'm always intrigued when people use the book of Genesis to moralize about today's morality, how they overlook stuff like that. Just a thought. (laughs) Just a thought. Anyway, well, let's go on. By the way, I do understand the explanation for how these things happen. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do for me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he's my brother. In other words, he said, I want you to do me a favor. Leave that on the side. (laughs) He's my brother. Now listen, this is truth shaping instead of truth telling. Now, I just, I, I want to tell you something. Listen, as far as it's in you, learn how to tell the truth. I just recently went through a renewal of my sense of my call for what's happening after, after year 65. What's next, Lord? And when the Lord renewed me, one of the things that I feel like he put in my heart was a bigger emphasis on truth-telling You say, you mean you were lying? No, I was sparing people. And I was sparing myself. Most of the time, we justify it. Now, I'm not telling you go around hurting people. If you ain't got a heart to heal and help people, then you don't learn anything from this lesson because you will just mess it up. But I'm telling you, you better put a higher value on telling the truth. If he'd have told the truth, it meant he would have had to trust God. A man with a promise in his life is then put in a place where he has to be tested by God. It happens all the way through the Bible. Don't even try to get around it. When a man has a word from God, he goes through a test. A woman has a word from God, she goes through a test. The testing is the proving. And anybody who has promises has gone through the testing, gone through the trial, gone through the proving. And this man is going through it. Listen, he has a promise in a year. This is going to happen. I don't think that God had, well, let me, let me just not, let me not speculate too much. But you put your wife in another man's bed when you got a promise of a year from now. You've already made an Ishmael. Now what are you trying to make? And God does a miracle to show that he's in this business. And instead of punishing Abraham, he elevates him and gives him greater revelation and greater authority and greater responsibility. You're not done yet. I don't care what kind of mess you've made with with what's been given to you. You're not done yet. You're not finished yet. You're going to get up You're going to wash your face. You're going to clean up your mess and you're going to go on and God is going to help you. And while I'm saying these words, the spirit of God is inspiring you and burning inside of you. You must not lose this. You must not walk out into the sun of the bright day and lose the vision of what you saw when the spirit was speaking to you under a man's voice. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And I'm giving you the word of God, both scripturally and prophetically. Get faith and get Abrahamed. (laughs) Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, behold, my land is before you. Dwell in it wherever you please. The dude gave him everything. And to Sarah, he said, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It's a sign of your innocence. Hallelujah. In the eyes of all who are with you and before everyone, you are vindicated. Oh, there's a lot to talk about in marriage on this today. There's a lot to talk about, about God's warfare to defend Abraham's marriage. And I'm all about that. Boy, I'm all about that. But I'm not going down that trail yet. Prophetic barrenness and prophetic blessedness. And this is where we're going to finish. We all know what barrenness is. We all 
we all know the use of this. And the Old Testament is so full of this imagery, so full of this imagery, so full, so full, so full, so full. And I tell you, what I want to do mostly is get you in the place where, where you can live in the fullness of what God wants to say to you here, okay? Okay, Abraham, I took, I've taken you out of your home. I took everything away from you. You lost everything. You came and followed me. Now, have I not been with you? Have I not blessed you and enriched you? Have I not spoken to you? Have I not given you the words of life? Abraham, my son, I've, I've talked to you. And every time you get in a pickle, you seem to miss the voice. Prophetic barrenness, prophetic blessedness. Watch what happens here. Then Abraham prayed, that is, he pronounced the intercessory judgment. I tell people all the time, you really want to be good at forgiving people? Then go before the throne of the one who has the power of life and death, the one who has the power of judgment, and announce to the heavens, that person's acquitted. I don't care how you feel, do it anyway. I don't care how you feel. Lord, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. This is Jesus hanging on the cross. So Abraham, your job now is to go to the Father and say, I made that mess, don't count it against Abimelech. And God healed Abimelech. Okay, first use of the word prophet, first use of the word prayer, first use of the word healed in the Bible. You think this is not a powerful chapter? You think it's not worth returning to? The first use of the word healed. God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children for the Lord had closed the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, his wife, Abraham's wife. And so God put it in the hands of Abraham to heal them. Listen to me now before he got his own child. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's a place in Isaiah's prophecy. There's a place in there, fantastic place, where we, we read about the suffering servant. And we've, listen, you need to understand, Abraham's lived his own life of suffering. We hear about the suffering servant, Isaiah 52, 53, and then 54 comes. And all of a sudden, at the, at, the, at the climax of the suffering servant, we get this prophetic word, Rejoice, O barren woman, and you who have not born children. Isaiah 54. Which, by the way, is the prophetic continuation of the promise on Abraham's life. Only this time, instead of God speaking it to one little family, he's speaking it to a nation. That nation was in as bad a shape and they were about to be in worse shape. They were in bad shape. They're about to be in worse shape. They haven't gone into exile yet. They haven't gotten as barren as they're going to get. Rejoice, oh barren woman. Whew. Rejoice, oh barren woman. That's the sacrifice of praise. That's the offering of worship. That's the faith that sees into the unseen. That's the love that... That holds on. That's what God has called us to. He's called us to be lovers who rejoice in the time of barrenness. That's why this house is designed to be a house of praise. And that's why you come in and oh, you're under the cloud. But your cloud cannot swallow the glory that's in here. And you come here. Listen, one of the reasons you come by is to get inside the glory and taste and see. Oh, listen, I'm not foolish. Y'all don't come for my words. You come for the heaven worship. And you should keep on coming for it and get more of it because you get healed in the praise. And God called Israel to be a people who knew how to praise before they knew how to bear children. And he said, no, by the way, build onto the house. So, so are you kidding me? And that's why we have in the Bible, you have... You have Michael who despises the praise. David's wife 
the psalmist of Israel's wife despises the worship. Hates. She's disgraced by the singer of songs. Barrenness. I want you to know that if you live in the place of prophetic praise, then you're in the place of blessedness already. You're in the place where the blessing flows. This is why the Bible says you're in a warfare. This is why the Bible says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Someone says, how do you do spiritual warfare? Eat. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Eat a lot. (laughs) This is the word of the Lord for you. You getting this, Charlie? I'm preaching over you today. I'm preaching over you today. The songs that are not yet sung. The anointing that's not yet released. The one that is, is pretty doggone good. But if I'm going to live for the more at 65, you're going to live for the more at 20. Wait a minute. That's about right, isn't it? (laughs) Charlie and the worship team are about to go. Where y'all going, Portland? To record. The, The songs are, yeah, the song, listen. Listen, the songs are already written. Don't get me wrong, but and they're and they're already been they've been worked with. But they're going to go record them. And they're and listen, we I, I'm going to just tell you the truth. We've never done this. We've sank about fifty thousand dollars into this thing because we're sowing, we're sowing into the voice of worship inside our house. You can partner with that if you want to. We're sowing to a house of higher praise. Listen, I've been at this. We're going into our 20th year and now we're sowing into praise because we haven't got what we're after yet. Are you kidding me? Sow into that. Are you kidding? Come on, let's make that happen. Colleen's back there with the young people. Colleen's trying to buy a house where a house where 10 people can live. Are you kidding me? A single woman? Why? Because she says, oh, pastor, it's not enough that I'm the pastor of the youth in this church. It's not enough that I'm pastor of the young adults in this church. I'm going to take some people into my house. She says, I'm going to, so I told her last night, I said, listen, you're going to do home ownership and single motherhood all in one sweep. Yes. Bless her, God. Bless her. Bless her for what she's doing. I think she's crazy, but Abraham was crazy. Abraham prayed and God healed. So listen, let me tell you something that's beautiful about this. Uh oh. but you can, you can help me. Well, it's time to be done. <laughs> so, <laughs> Everybody stand up because I have a word. prayed and God healed. Stand up and, and God healed Abimelech. Listen, we're not done prophesying in this church. We're not done praying in this church. We're not done going after the things we went after when we went out. We're not done, Errol and Brenda. We're not done. We're not done prophesying heaven to earth. We're not done. Son, my only son, who there's an anointing on your life and everybody that meets you says, there's an anointing on that young man's life. And you used to get prophetic words so much that it drove you insane. And now that you're in the house, guess what? You're not getting as many prophetic words, but they're not less true because anybody who sees you sees the anointing that's on your life, sees the harvest that's in your life. It's not done. It's not done. Mama. Okay. So I, for one, want to be Sarah'd. Because I'm not done either. Now look, I don't want any more physical children. But I'm desperate for more children. I am too. I, am de- I remember sitting on a plane 
going, and this was years ago, and I sat there on that flight and I wept because I just was crying out to God saying, I want my life to matter. And I'm telling you, this is my call this morning. If you are a woman and you say, I want more children, well, you can be a man too. I don't care. Anybody. I want more children. I'm telling you, New Life City, it is time for us to rise up in desperate, desperate cries to the Lord. I must have children or I will die. And I'm telling you, God is opening up a door for us where there are 300 children that are waiting yeah. for mamas and daddies to come and wrap their arms around them, to pour out loving kindness on them. God is on the move, but we have to respond. Faith is hearing God's voice and responding to what he says. So if you're with me, this is the time to come down and say, God, this is, uh, okay, I'm going to stand and I'm going to say, yes, I want more children or I will die. Come on. Who's with me? God's speaking to you this Who's morning. Come on. We're going to pray for you. Come on. This is God's a, speaking to you we're this making a prophetic declaration this morning uh, to say, this house should be full. This house should be way more full. God, God gave us this family as a family, a house where lives can be transformed. And don't get me wrong. We see a lot of it, but I want more. I want more. I want more, God. I want more, God. I want more, God. I want to stand before you in that day when I'm supposed to give account for myself. And I want you to say, well done. Well done. Well done. I want to be Sarah this morning. I want you to renew me. I want you to restore me. I want you to give me strength beyond strength, God, as my body fails me. My spirit is getting younger. My mind is getting younger, God. My attitude is getting younger, God, because I will not be done. I will not just fade away into the background as I get older. I will live out my days in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, doing everything that you've called me to do, and I'm going to do it with my friends. I'm going to do it with my family. Come on. I'm just going to keep saying yes. And you are going to give me, supply me everything that I need. You'll give me the resources. You'll give me the strength. You'll give me the ability. You're already opening the doors. And I'm just going to keep saying yes. Yes. And I'm just asking, are you going to say yes with me?